This is a seminar, number two, on a series called Evangel Living, the Great Commission in Action Today. What we're trying to do is is talk very practically about what is evangelism. That's what we spent time doing the first seminar. And we defined evangelism very simply from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy as not an event, in other words, a campaign. Evangelism is not just a campaign. It's not just a chip program. It's not just a cooking school. Evangelism is not uh, even Bible studies on its own or handing out literature at the corner. Or That is not evangelism cannot be defined as any one of those things in and of itself. But evangelism rather should be described as a lifestyle committed to the sharing of your personal Savior, Jesus Christ, with others. A lifestyle, an ongoing lifestyle. We then took it the next step and said evangelism is a lifestyle that if you were to look at it would be divided into three areas. A lifestyle made up of sowing activities, sowing a lifestyle that will have reaping as a part of of that lifestyle, as well as retaining. Sowing, meaning developing those relationships, growing that trust, reaping, presenting the message of Jesus Christ. And at the last seminar, we talked about the importance of message to evangelism. We talked about the reality that many people look at evangelism as being a feeling or as being a a program instead of it being message-centered. And at the heart of the message is Jesus Christ. And and the heart of the Seventh-day Adventist remnant message is the proclamation of the three angels' message. It's what gives us our identity. It's what gives us our focus. It is what gives us our reason for existence. God has called this church into existence to preach the three angels' message, which in a, in a nutshell, we talked at the last seminar, is the message of Amos. But now at the end of time, prepare to meet your God. That's what it's about. And when we try as a Seventh-day Adventist church to be like the Methodists, or we try to be like the Baptists or the Church of God, we are messing up, we are giving up on what God has called us to do as a church. And that's the priest of three angels' message. It's our special mission. Okay? It's our special mission. And so evangel living is a lifestyle that is characterized by sowing, reaping, and retaining. We finished by asking, I think, a very good question, and that is, Well, that's good, but how does it happen? How can we really make it happen? If we were to characterize evangelism as being a lifestyle or a culture, we could call it a culture. Evangelism is a culture. How would you describe your culture? Would your culture be one that is saturated, expressed daily in a desire to lead other people to Christ and prepare to meet him very soon? And now, mind you, you are busy. I am busy. Some of you are in school. Some of you are working. Whew! There's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? So how do we stay focused on a lifestyle of evangelism when we are constantly being pulled this way and that way to pay bills or to be on time for this project or to get ready for that test or to spend time with our girlfriend or boyfriend or wife, husband, children, whatever? How does it happen? Well, what I want to talk to you about today, and I only talk about this right now based on the reality that we have clearly defined evangelism, okay? And evangelism being a lifestyle. Because so many people say, evangelism doesn't work. Now, what are they saying when they say that? They're basically saying God is dead. Yeah, God is dead because, hey, Jesus said to go forth and, you know, preach this gospel to every kindred, tongue, and nation, and, and then the end will come, Matthew 24. But now basically we're saying it can't be done, so therefore God is dead. He can't be there with us. It's impossible to accomplish. Evangelism does work. What doesn't work is, what, what doesn't work oftentimes is you and me. We're not involved in a lifestyle of evangelism. We're not involved in preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ in in connecting with lost people. We don't get our hands dirty with the lost people. Let me tell you, folks, every time you get involved in sharing your faith, you have got to to do like Jesus did. Remember, we looked at the, those of you here last seminar, we said Christ's method alone brings true success in reaching people. He mingled with men as one who what? Didn't care about them? No, who really cared about them? 
and, and basically run their, won their trust, their confidence, Ellen White says. And then, and then comes the message. He said, follow me. So, folks, what I'm about ready to say is based squarely on the foundation that evangelism is a lifestyle that God is calling you to be involved in, not just professional evangelists, not just Doug Batchelor, not just a conference president, not just your pastor. He is calling all of us, and we looked at a, a quotation, and you can get that there on seminar one handout where Ellen White says, this is the greatest and the highest work that we need to be involved in now. And then she says, we are his messengers. And that means you and me. So I come back to you and I said, folks, don't leave GYC or these seminars saying, well, that was a nice message. Boy, that was cool. Oh, that felt good. I feel so close to God. Folks, God is calling you to get radical in who you are as a Christian. And you are called as a Christian to proclaim Christ, to finish the work, which I still believe can be finished. Do you? And he's calling us. Can you vision? Can you just turn on your, 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 your LCD screen in your brain and can you see lay people, an army of youth, Involved in a lifestyle evangelism in churches all across this world? Tell me if it would not make a difference. Absolutely. It would make a difference. Huge difference. So what I'm, what we're going to talk about now is how do we organize this army? I would like to suggest to you that Ellen White and the Bible have given us clear principles how to take the reality of the Gospel Commission, that all of us should be involved in a lifestyle evangelism, that all of us as Christians need to be talking about Christ. And she has given us principles to organize ourselves to maintain a focus on a lifestyle of evangelism. I call it God's Marine Corps and you. That's what we're going to talk about. Let's just say your church just finished an evangelistic series. Okay, you finish it. You've been going out every single night for three weeks. And it's finished. Now you say, Whew, I can rest. I can plop my feet up, watch my favorite program for two weeks in a row, and not feel guilty for not going to church. We finished evangelism. Now what? Let me ask you a question. In, in most churches... In most churches that hold an evangelistic event, a campaign, you might have maybe 10 to 15, 20% participation max to start with. But is evangelism, is, has evangelism finished just because you finished a campaign? Can you prop your feet up, flip off your shoes, and just relax? Folks, I have been in churches where they have said, we're done with that. Now we can wait a couple years till we do it again. I've even been to churches that have never had a weeping event for 30 years. They want to wait every 30 years they want to have one. So much work, it exhausts them. Is that what evangelism is all about? In most churches, the answer would be yes. We will rest a while, maybe a couple years before we quote-unquote do evangelism again. That's what they will say. We're going to just rest a while until we do evangelism again. In other churches, many say evangelism doesn't work. What they're saying is that we don't work. That's what they're really saying. Is God now not involved in the work of evangelism? Absolutely He is. What it means is that they are not working in a lifestyle of evangelism. They think there's some magical formula. In fact, I have seen churches take the work of evangelism and give it to the United States Postal Service or the Canadian Postal Service. They take the work of evangelism and assign it to Uncle Sam and say, we're going to send out 20,000 brochures and it's going to cost us a penny. And then when very few people come, we sit back and we say, oopsie, evangelism doesn't work. Or then we look at, like I said to you all in the first seminar, we look at the brochures with, you know, the image or a beast on it. We say, see, it's these crazy beasts. They're scaring everybody away. That's not the point. The membership is not involved in a lifestyle of evangelism. How can, though, we sustain this lifestyle of evangelism? It cannot be forced. It cannot be forced at all. 
The answer I would like to suggest to you today, and what we're going to talk about the rest of this hour, is the way to maintain the focus, the way to maintain this lifestyle of evangelism in your local church where you're at, is through voluntary communities committed to evangeliving. Voluntary communities committed to evangeliving. That's how we do it. Evangelism, according to the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, is best lived out in the context of a community, a focused and well-disciplined team that works together to maintain this focus on evangelism. Just want to make sure, if you just came in, uh, there are handouts for this uh, seminar over here next to the door on my left. You're right, just to let you know. Well-disciplined team that is focused on this concept called, this reality called evangel living. In other words, you have to join God's Marine Corps. That's what it's, what we're saying. And it's based on biblical principles. Let me share with you. First of all, Mark chapter 6, verse 7. Look at what it says. Mark 6, if you have your Bibles, verse 7. Those of you who don't, I have it up here on the screen. And he called the twelve to him and began to send them out one by one, saying unto them, Go, be a lone ranger for me. Is that what it says? No, he sent them out what? Two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. In Acts chapter 12, verse 25, it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, who do you see here? You have Paul and who? Barnabas. And you have another guy called John Mark. Now, he didn't turn out too well at the beginning. I don't know if you remember the story. He kind of got homesick, didn't like the food, didn't appreciate where they were sleeping, ended up going back. But then later on, he came back and apologized and wanted to be a part of evangelism again. And, and then Paul wouldn't have any time of day for him. So Barnabas took him under his wing. And, and then who did Paul go off with? I think it was Silas at that point. And they began. But it was never Paul. Paul's out there. Go, Paul. It was always Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Silas. And then you have Luke in there somewhere in the mix. And if you read, you always see a team of people who surrounded Paul as a team. And then you have the disciples going out two by two. Folks, there is, there is a principle here that evangelism is not something we do on our own, by ourselves, without proper support and encouragement. Have any of you been on a Share Him evangel- international evangelistic trip? Well, yeah, I, one, two, three, four. Great. What do we do every morning? When we get together, we have our devotional and we have our team meeting. Remember that? Where we review, we talk about what's happening in different spots. Why do we do that? Because there is spiritual strength and support when we come together and pray. We can share. How's it going at your site? Well, you know, this happened. Okay, let's pray for you. How's it going in this site? Oh, it's going well. We rejoice with you. There is that kind of encouragement. This is what the Bible is telling us. But yet, you know what happens in many churches, Adventist churches today? And I I was guilty of this. We listen to the preacher preach on evangelism, and it's wonderful. We walk out of church on Sabbath, we're like, Lord, I want to be involved in evangelism. Help me be more involved in evangelism. Five days later, if you have a great memory, you can remember what the sermon was about. Two weeks later, you realize, even if you remember what the sermon's about, you haven't done much to, to really change your lifestyle. That's because you're out there on your own. You're on your own. You're a solo player out there. That is not the biblical principle here. The Spirit of Prophecy gives us some very clear counsel. And I'm only selecting a few of her quotations. She has many other quotations. And, and by the way, on the handout at the door, you'll see all those written out so you don't have to write them out. Feel free to, to, to just read along with me. Let there be in every church, well what? organize companies of workers to labor in the vicinity of that church. What she is saying here is, in every church, organize a group of people who are voluntarily associated with that group. Nobody's forcing them to be a part of that group. 
who have a passion for evangel living, who want to have a lifestyle of evangelism, who want to get involved in sharing Christ, organize them into a group, into a company, and work together to labor for those in that community. Why? Because there's encouragement, there's prayer, there is a fellowship. Look at uh, this one here from the GC Bulletin in 1893. Uh, the reason this shows up in the GC Bulletin is Ellen White was in Australia, and so she wrote a message to the General Conference session, and they put it in the bulletin. In every city, there should be a core of organized, well-disciplined workers. Now, you know what that core means. That's not corpse, you know, like a dead body. This is the Marine Corps, okay? This is, in fact, you know she's talking about about the military uh, analogy because she's talking about a core here and well-organized, disciplined workers, not merely one or two, but scores should be set to work. Amen? Amen? Organized. In other words, you have to be delivered about these things. You have to be delivered about these things. You have to go back to your church and say, you know, there are three or four of us here that really are interested in living a life of evangelism, evangel living. Let's organize an evangel living team. Let's organize an outreach team, whatever you want to call it. And we are going to keep each other accountable and we're going to focus and work together, meet regularly to pray for one another, encourage one another, strategize, hold evangelistic meetings together. Oh, me? I thought we had to get an evangelist to come for that. You are the evangelists. And, and you organize, as she says, well-disciplined groups of workers. Look at what she says again in Testimony Volume 7. In our churches, let companies be formed for what? Service. Notice here she uses the word company again. Companies be word formed for service. Let different ones unite in labor as fishers of men. Let them seek to gather souls from the corruption of the world into the saving purity of Christ's love. Amen? What, what I get here is, is, is a picture of a large fishing vessel. You don't have one guy on that fishing vessel trying to haul in these massive nets. Who do you see? You see a team. One is at the wheel, right? One is manning this pulley. One is manning that pulley. One is manning that. They're working in a concerted effort to haul in the catch. That's what she's saying here. Working as a team with a very clear focus, and that is to bring in more fish to catch, be a fisher of men, right? Sometimes small groups get together, and I love small groups. There's a great, there's a lot of positive about it, but they can become an end in themselves. Do you follow me here? People end up meeting together just so that they meet together. And they end up swapping recipes. And they end up talking about, well, this problem and that problem, and it just becomes like a, like a black hole, meaning that nothing comes out, everything gets sucked in. But what we're talking about here is that we meet together for the purpose of what? Of going out. And when we come back, we are talking about what we're doing out there and how it's, how it's affecting us, how we can do better. That's what we're talking about, these outreach teams. So let me summarize again. Evangelism, then, is best experienced in community where encouragement and where teamwork and where accountability are all present. That's what I want you to walk away from this seminar. I want you to walk away from this seminar saying, I want to be involved in evangelism, but I realize that I cannot do it alone. Well, you knew that. You knew the Holy Spirit needed to work in you. But I'm talking about you are organized as a church, the body. You need to be connected with other people. Now you say, well, but my church, I don't know anybody. In my, I don't, we don't have a team like this in my church. Well, what's keeping you from organizing one? You go back to the church. You talk maybe to the pastor. Maybe he can make preach a sermon on it, invite people to come forward. In our, in our church, where I'm a member, I'm in old, in, uh, outside of uh, Collegedale, Tennessee, and McDonald Road, we preached a sermon on this. We had 85 people come forward wanting to organize teams. It can happen. You might not even go that route. You might just go to your three or four friends and say, you know, we always talk about being more involved in evangelism. Let's form a sisterhood here, a brotherhood. Let's form a community. 
that is committed to meeting regularly, praying for people. And we're going to talk about what does this outreach team do? I'm going to be giving you this morning three resources. Two of them are written resources, which you can also find for download on our website at sharehim.org. You can download them there, but I'm going to give them to you here. And I'm also going to be giving you a DVD resource that you could view online one by one, but I'm also giving you a copy you could use, which is called the Sewing Resource Catalog. And I'll hand these out when we're done today. So please don't let me forget, okay, because I do that kind of thing. I'll be like, hey, see you all later, and they'll be sitting here, you know, until tomorrow. But I want you especially who have come to this seminar on outreach teams to, to get this material on outreach teams. So basically, let me say it again. Evangelism is something that is not an event. It's a lifestyle, evangel living. And if you want to live this lifestyle, you can't do it alone. You need to connect with other believers. You have to intentionally connect with other believers. Have you ever heard of a group called Weight Watchers? You know, we were, I was just over in Germany, the South German Union. There are two conferences that are working with Share Him to set up outreach teams in their churches. And I mentioned the Weight Watchers. They knew about it over there, too. Weight Watchers is a big organization. What's the purpose of Weight Watchers? Help me. Lose weight. Help people come together. They come together, I think, once a week or every other week. And they talk about helping each other attain their ideal weight, maintain their ideal weight, right? And they say, well, you know, they have certain criteria. You know, you need to eat 30 points, you know, a day or something like that. They go by point system and they get together and they do what? They say, well, so how's it going with your, well, I weighed myself and I've lost another three pounds. And what do the people say? Well, they say you should have lost 30. You're out of this group. Is that what they say? Of course not. They're like, way to go, Susan. Way to go, Jim. Keep it up. Three pounds. Next week will be another three pounds. Before you know it, boom, you're at your ideal weight. Then another girl raises her hand or another guy and he says, well, you know, I was supposed to eat 30 points yesterday, but I ate 300. I passed Baskin Robbins and I could not help myself. What do they do? Get out of here. You're not living up to our principles. Is that what they say? No, they say, well, listen, don't worry. Just put it behind you. 300 points. Did you say 300 points? (laughs) Start over again. Work on it tomorrow. What are they doing? They're providing a community, a supportive community to help everyone in that community, in that group, attain a what? A common goal, which is to reach and maintain an ideal weight. Folks, that's what we're talking about here. What are you meeting together for? Because you all have the common goal of wanting to live a lifestyle of evangelism. You want to practice evangel living. Some people call these groups evangel living groups. In other words, you're coming together to say, how's it going with your evangel living? Well, you know what? I didn't even think about it this last week. Oh, okay. Well, you know, do you have anybody you're praying for? We'll talk about things that we talk, we'll talk about in that outreach team. But you keep each other accountable. You provide support. You provide encouragement. Well, I've witnessed to this person, but they slammed the door in my face. They said they never want to talk to me. That person is hurt, aren't they? They feel discouraged. We pray. We encourage them on this. Folks, evangelism is not a piece of cake. I just can't handle it when I hear people say, well, it's easy. Just share your faith. Hey, folks, this is a battle. It's called the Great Controversy, if you haven't heard. And, if, and, and it's rough and tumble out there. And it, you get your feelings hurt. You can get discouraged. That is why she is saying, organize into these companies. Organize into these groups with a common purpose, and that is to maintain our focus on the Great Commission. Every church, I believe, should have a group that helps committed members live out this idea of evangel living. Share him and our partners with amazing facts. Call these groups outreach leadership teams. That's what we call them. You could call them whatever you want to. That's not the important thing. But these outreach leadership teams are there for you to help you and those who are interested in the church to become involved and stay involved in the lifestyle of evangelism. Are these teams closed? Oh, we got five people. No more people can ever join. The teams are always open to new people to join. 
When a team gets, gets too big, I would say no more than 10, 12, 15 people, you want to start another team that's involved in a lifestyle of evangelism. Now let's talk much more, much more practically about what it means when we say a lifestyle of evangelism. First of all, outreach leadership teams are the core for that church to implement a cycle and a life of evangelism. You are the core. They help implement a strategy that deliberately implements an ongoing lifestyle of evangelism. And if you were to say to me, Bob, uh, do you have an Adventist lifestyle? There are certain characteristics that would pop up, right? Can you name a few? What would you say Adventist lifestyle would be? Okay, vegetarian. What else? Keep the Sabbath. Very good. What other things would you say that you could see when you talk about an Adventist lifestyle? Huh? Devotional life? In other words, serious about growing? You say your thing, your mindset is set on the coming of Jesus. Okay, your second coming. I'm thinking also a very, very visible thing such as, you know, we don't smoke or do drugs or we don't uh, drink alcohol. These are things that people would look at us and say, here's some of the things in Adventist lifestyle, right? When you talk about evangel living, a lifestyle of evangelism, I would like to suggest to you that there, simply put, there are three characteristics to a lifestyle of evangelism. Three. And as an outreach team, you need to make sure you're covering those three things. And that's what I want to talk about. First of all, you have sowing. See right up here? Sowing. Then you have reaping. And then you have retaining. We're using the agricultural uh, language here. I want to go into this a lot more in detail. How is the outreach leadership team formed? First of all, like I said, you can go back and form them informally as you talk to your friends. Maybe a group of you who are here at GYC who are listening to this and you say, you know, let's form ourselves into an outreach team. Let's go back and keep each other focused on a lifestyle of evangelism. Okay, that's one way you can also make a call from the pulpit and invite anybody who's interested in a lifestyle evangelism to stay after church and you can describe this process to them. But what is the work of this outreach team? First of all, we're going to talk about sowing. Folks, how can I say this? Sowing is 80%, 70 to 80% of evangelism. Look at what the Bible says. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Does that make sense? Perfect sense, doesn't it? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And by the way, we'll talk about this text more in our next seminar. Uh, but the bottom line is that when we are involved in sowing, if you even look at the cycle of, of the farming, sowing and the work that happens before the harvest is what takes the most time. But many times, we just want to jump in. We're going to have an event campaign. We're going to have a campaign. We don't do any sowing, and then we sit there and we say, well, my goodness, nobody came. Evangelism doesn't work. It would be like me walking out to my backyard, and, and, uh, and I've thrown a few seeds out there somewhere in my grass, and I'm, I walk out five months later, and I say, man, where are, where are my coconuts? <laughs> this is craziness. I need to sue this seed company. Coconuts don't grow. It's impossible. The bottom line is, I have paid no heed to them at all. I have done nothing. I haven't paid any attention, but I expect to have a harvest as if I was walking into the grocery store to to pick up whatever vegetable I want. Sowing is truly the hard work. Then you have reaping. Reaping takes is can be characterized... Uh, this way. Then he said to his disciples, Jesus said, the harvest truly is what? Plentiful, but the laborers are few. Boy, this is what... You see, what is the prayer that we need to be praying? What is the prayer? More laborers. 
Lord, help there be more harvest? What, what, else, what Jesus is saying here is, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Folks, what Jesus is desperately needing, especially now at the close of earth's history, are more laborers. But over the last 30 or 40 years in the Adventist church in North America, the laborers have gotten fewer and fewer. You know why? Because we have become more specialized. We say to ourselves, if we're going to do evangelism, we've got to call the conference and get a conference evangelist here. Or if we want to do evangelism, we've got to call Amazing Facts and get see if we can get Doug Batchelor here. He, does that mean we can't get Doug Batchelor? Beautiful if we can get Doug Batchelor. That's not my point. We need him to keep preaching until he can go no further. But what we need of more people involved in the harvest. Amen? That's what we need. We become so specialized. It feels like we cannot do anything with evangelism unless we are certified or we are ordained or we are whatever. Folks, that is not the biblical picture. Jesus says, please pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to you and to me. Is the harvest great or small? There's a huge harvest out there. In fact, folks, as we near the close of time, the harvest will even be greater. Are the harvesters adequate? No, they are not. Who is the Lord of the harvest, folks? Who is the Lord of the harvest? Who is the Lord of the harvest? Yes, and He is asking us. Well, let me put it this way. Where are the laborers to work? In the harvest. The harvest is ready. It's there, waiting to be picked. But there are not enough workers. There are not enough harvesters who have a passion, who have an interest, who have a desire to work in the field. Too often we focus on sowing work because it is more politically correct. I have seen many, many churches. I was in a church two weekends ago. And uh, uh, this lady came up to me and said, Bob, you know, Pastor Bob, we're working, uh, but I don't have time to be involved in, in preaching the message. I am so busy with my CHIP program. Have any of you heard of the CHIP program? It's a wonderful program. It's a great program. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a great, Ellen White says that the health message should be an entering wedge, Right? She said, Bob, we've done nine CHIP programs in a row. We have 200 graduates, alumni, and every month we have an alumni meeting. I'm just so busy with this. There's nothing we can do. And I said, sister, well, how many of those people are coming to church now? Oh, none of them. I don't have time to do that. I'm working on my next CHIP program. And I said to myself, I said to her sister, you will not, I hope, be offended by what I am going to say to you. But God does not have an interest for cardiacly healthy people to go to hell. That God is interested in our health. There's no doubt about that. But He's interested in our eternal salvation more than He is in our, in our temporal health. Amen? So... Chip program, uh, lifestyle matters program. It doesn't matter what. There's lots of stuff out there. That cooking schools, they're wonderful. But God doesn't want hell full of good cooks. He wants them in heaven. And so our responsibility is to look at the big picture and say, well, if we have this uh, cooking school and then we have a stop smoking plan, that will give us an opportunity to sit with them. Our outreach team can be there, get to know these people, invite them to a Daniel seminar so they can hear the prophecies of the end of time. They can prepare it to meet Jesus. That's how it works, you see. It's not an end in itself. But right now, in many of our churches, we say, well, we're doing evangelism. We have a concert every month of, uh, in our church. We had a church call us up and say, well, our outreach team has planned a beautiful organ concert. And we've invited a community. And there were hundreds that came. We talked to them and said, well, how did your concert go? Oh, it went great. So did you have a chance to meet anybody? Oh, no, we were all busy ushering and everything. And so did you get the names of the people who came in? Oh, no, that would have been politically incorrect. We want them to come and feel comfortable. And we said, okay, did you meet anybody? Did you have anybody's name? No, we didn't. So I said, the purpose of this organ concert is that is now that the community who attended knows that Adventists believe in organ music. 
And folks, there's nothing wrong. Don't misunderstand me. Let's have a concert, an organ concert. But let's be deliberate to find ways to connect with those people. Amen? But yet sometimes we are so concerned about offending or pushing ourselves or or whatever that we don't even want to ask, well, what's your name? You know, that's the problem. That is a challenge. And so when we look at evangel living, it is an ongoing life cycle, lifestyle of evangelism that involves sowing, deliberate, planned sowing, reaping, and then retaining. That's, that's the circle that we go through. What is the harvest defined? It is the presentation. What is, what is the harvest part of this, this equation? Help me out here. What is the harvest part? Okay. Harvest. I would say is where we go, and like Ellen White said, we invite them to follow Jesus. It is where we are deliberate and present a present truth. And number two, we invite them to make a decision. You see, folks, when you get into the harvest, those are the only two characteristics, I believe, that need to be there. Number one, you need to invite people to what? To make a decision. But before that, you have to present something for them to make a decision about. In other words, during your harvest, during your evangelistic meeting, can I just put it any simpler than this? You need to be presenting the truth as it is in Jesus. You need to be talking about the three angels' message. And after you present the gospel, you need to ask the question, excuse me, but how are you ready to follow Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? When you present the truth of the Sabbath, we need to say, we don't need to say, well, now, what did you think about? That was neat, wasn't it? Catch you all next week. No, we need to say, so what do you make of this? Are you ready to enjoy? Are you willing to start keeping the Sabbath and enjoy the blessing that he promises? Sometimes people hold evangelistic meetings and they say, well, we don't want to make any appeals because that might offend somebody. Folks, I don't see that. In Scripture, in fact, Jesus says, He who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father. There needs to be a response to, to that invitation, to that truth as it is in Jesus. So that means that your evangelistic crusade, your evangelistic reaping event can take place in the church, it can take place at home. Just th- three weeks ago, we finished 40 evangelistic lay-led meetings in Atlanta. All of them in people's homes. And guess what? In another five months in March, we're doing 56 campaigns. Those same are going to do another series. But what are they doing between those meetings and these meetings? What are they doing? They're sowing. They're working. They're retaining those new members. They're sowing. So you see there's a constant cycle of evangelism. In a nutshell, we are inviting outreach teams to say, you know what, we're going to develop an interest list. We're going to pray for this interest list every day. We're going to get to know this interest list. And every six months, we're going to hold an evangelistic meeting or a reaping event in your house first and then in your house and then in the Sabbath school room. For the next every six months, we're going to be reaping until Jesus comes. And when we're done reaping, then we're going to work on retaining that harvest. We're going to retain that harvest. And what is the best way to retain the harvest, folks? The best way to retain the harvest is get the new Christian involved in the harvest. There's no better way to inoculate a Christian against a new Christian against apostasy than to get them involved in the harvest. Amen? Get them out there winning others. Get them out there and winning in fact when I was a, when I was a kid in Central America, I was twelve years old, I wanted to be baptized. And I was a mem- I was going to a place called uh, uh, La Iglesia de la Zona Quince. Zone 15 church. And they would not allow me to be baptized because the conference had a, had a policy that every person that was going to be baptized had to give Bible studies before they were baptized. How do you like that? And so there I was. I had to go out on Sabbath afternoon. I was a cartero misionero, missionary mailman, looking for Bible studies. It was wonderful. 
What better way to inoculate people against apostasy than to get them involved in the harvest? Because when you are sharing your faith, you are stepping out of your comfort zone and you are stepping into the faith's zone. Whenever you share Jesus, whenever you share your faith, you are a little bit nervous, aren't you? You're a little out of your comfort zone and you are totally dependent upon Christ. Amen? I always find my relationship with Christ is closer and stronger when I, am, when I have shared my faith or involved in sharing it with others. Have you had that experience? Always. I even believe that the reason that Christ did not send a legion of angels to preach the gospel in a couple days and be done with it was that he knew that you and I need it. Need it. Needed to be involved in evangelism for our own spiritual growth and health. That's why I've never believed that evangelism or evangel living is an option to a Christian. A Christian, a Christian must share his or her faith. A non-witnessing Christian is truly an oxymoron. It's it's a contradiction. And so when it comes to reaping, laymen and women in an outreach team also are involved in the reaping. They are involved in the preaching. Many of you here raised your hand. Last night in the opening meeting, I asked how many of you have been involved with Share Him. I mean, I was surprised. 150 people or so raised their hand and said they had been involved in preaching. You can preach in your home or at church, wherever the, your outreach team decides to do it. You could even meet at Denny's once a week for breakfast. Is that can, can an evangelistic meeting take place at Denny's? After you finish with the pancakes, you push them out of the way, you pull out your Bibles, and you present the truth as it is in Jesus. Now, you still have to make a call for decision. Don't forget that. Oh, we can't make a call here at Denny's. Well, what are you going to do with every eye closed and every uh, head bowed? <laughs> As the BGs play above us. Is that what you're going to do? No, you have to be creative. You're not going to say, well, if you want to accept Jesus, meet me at the checkout. <laughs> you, you've, got to, you've got to be creative. You might say something like this. Hand them a card and say, if you want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, put a cross on this card and sign your name. Huh? Is that an appeal? Or, or you might say, if you're talking about the Sabbath, and there's only three interests. And by the way, that's another thing, folks. Please understand that when we talk about evangelism and evangel living, lay evangelism through outreach team, please do not confuse numbers with success. Uh, do you hear me? Success is you being obedient to go into the harvest. Success is you saying, like Isaiah said, Lord, here I am. Send me. Then you're successful. There might not be any harvest right now, but there might be later. Don't worry about that. You cannot bring one person to conversion. Did you know that? That's the Holy Spirit's work. But you are successful when you step out in faith and say, I am going to be active in sharing my faith. I'm going to live a lifestyle of evangelism. You're successful right there. So when we talk about evangelistic reaping events, we're not talking about filling an auditorium like we were in last night. Hey, if that happens, praise the Lord. But most likely, it will be in your living room, or it might be in your Sabbath school room, or it might be at Denny's with three interests and three of you other outreach leadership teams sitting around there. And then at the end of the meeting, you presented the Sabbath. Each of the outreach team people have already predetermined, okay, you're going to talk to John, you're going to talk to Jane, you're going to talk to Jim. And afterwards, you go up to those people individually and you say, so what did you make of the Sabbath, Jim? Are you ready to start keeping the Sabbath day and following Christ's example? Is that a call? Is that an appeal? Of course it is. It's a personal appeal. So you could have an evangelistic meeting at Denny's or my favorite spot, Taco Bell. You could. There's no reason. The important thing is that you're involved in the sowing and then the reaping. And then, of course, we need to be involved personally in the proclamation, which is part of that reaping. You see, Share Him will be happy to provide you with material. I'm talking about sermons and graphics that you can use on a TV, DVD. 
In other words, you don't have to have a projector like this. You can just put it on a DVD player. You could use your computer at Denny's to show the graphics. And, and we'll give you the sermons. You don't have to even write those if you want to. No problem. We have it. We have it in, in 25 different languages. If you are working with different ethnic or language groups. But guess what? If you don't want to use Share Him's Truth for Today, Hope for Tomorrow series, no problem. Use New Beginnings. Use Revelation Seminar. Use a Prophecy Seminar. Good news today. It doesn't matter what tool you use. The important is, it, is what? You're into harvest. Amen? Amen? We are going to be giving you today this, this uh, resource. It's called Sowing Resource Catalog. What Sherehim did is we went and interviewed 21 different Adventist ministries. And by the way, we're about ready to do version 3, where we'll probably up this to 30 different ministries. And we asked them, what do you have to help the local church in Quebec or the church somewhere else who wants to, the outreach teams that want to do sewing? What materials, what tools? Folks, there are about 150 different resources here that you can use in your outreach team to do sewing work, active, handouts, flyers, chip program, depression recovery, parenting seminars, divorce recovery seminars. Uh, I mean, there's just so many things in here that you can use for your outreach team. What we are trying to do at Share Him is is destroy, obliterate all excuses or hindrances or obstacles. So we're saying to you, you can't do this alone, organize into a team. You're saying, well, what do we do as a team? I'm giving you this material of how to organize yourselves into a team today. Secondly, you say, well, we don't know what to do for sewing. No problem. Here you go. We're giving you all this material. Let me tell you, at the heart of your outreach team is the interest list. You develop an interest list of people that you know. Folks, I can tell you that, that the problem that most outreach teams have is that they, put, they have too many people to put on that list. And you pray for those people and you connect with those people. And you, and you invite them over to eat with you. Right now on our, the outreach team that I'm a member of, we're now working on having a, I'm serious. One of the things that we're doing is we're trying to connect with these two families that are friends of one of our outreach team members. And they're two couples. And so my wife and I and our kids and that, and, and these other couples are all going to have a wiener roast. You know, we're going to have a bonfire and we're going to, uh, you know, roast, uh, hot dogs. And marshmallows, and just spend an evening with them. Is that evangelism? It's, it's the sowing. I am developing relationship. Now, why am I doing that? Because I like hot dogs. Is that it? No. I'm doing that because I want to get to know these people. I need to, I want to build a relationship with them because I know, and this is true, the third weekend of April, my outreach team is going to start a reaping campaign. And we want to invite these people to come to that evangelistic meeting. My son that was up there last night, the younger one, the 12, 14-year-old, he has a teen outreach team. All the early teens and youth, not all of them, those who wanted to join, are a part of an te- outreach team. They're praying and working for people. We have, my wife and I are working with my wife's hairdresser and, and, and her f- boyfriend, and they have a daughter who's like an early teen age. And when we invited them over to our house, my son's outreach team, he called them all. They came over and played kick the can and steal the flag and roasted hot dogs, I mean, marshmallows while we were visiting in the house. Why were they doing that? I mean, obviously they like playing kick the can and these things. But the reason they did that strategically is because they want to develop a relationship with this young girl because on the third weekend of April, my kid along with these other young people, they're starting an evangelistic series. They're going to pitch a tent, and they're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what you're saying is that the sowing process doesn't have to involve the presentation of the message. No, no, it does not have to. Building up the bridge That's exactly right. Let me, let me say this uh, for those of you who didn't hear. The sowing process does not necessarily involve the presentation of the full message. The sowing is a connecting process. It's building trust. Will it, 
It might include a question that says, why is it that you don't come to our office parties on Saturday? Well, there's an opportunity to share a little bit about the, about the Sabbath. It might giving, involve giving your personal testimony. But the point is you're developing this trust. Another thing that we recommend in, the, in, in, in this whole outreach process is to connect yourselves to these interests in multiples. In other words, if I know James and he's not an Adventist, I want, and you're in my outreach team, we need to find a way for you to get to know James and for you to get to know James and for you to get to know James. Now he knows four Adventists who are praying for him every day and who want to see him in the kingdom. And so when it comes time for the evangelistic meeting, you'll invite him, I'll invite him, and I'll say, oh, by the way, you know Jim and, 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 and Zach over there. They're going to be there too. Oh, really? Okay, I'll come, I'll check it out. Four friends are inviting him to come to the same evangelistic meeting. But you see, folks, what I'm talking about is something deliberate. And can you see how you cannot do these things in a vacuum? You cannot do these things by yourself as a lone ranger. You need a team. You need a, a fellowship. You need a company of people who are committed to living out this lifestyle of, of evangelism. I hope that, that is clear to you. And uh, we will, in the next few seminars, be going much more into detail on the sowing and preparing and making appeals. We're going to be talking about that more, especially seminar four. Then the last part of this, of this uh, what do you call it, uh, cycle, a lifestyle of evangelism, we talked about sowing, reaping. Well, the last thing is retaining. It would be very, very irresponsible of us to to go out and harvest all this and let it rot. That is why, by the way, just for your information, when Share Him takes you internationally, 95% or more of the times we are taking you to an individual small church to preach in that church. We don't do these big meetings. You go to a church. Why is that? Because those people are inviting people to that church. And when you leave, they're already sitting in that church. They're already connected with the members of that one church because we believe in retention. We've got to retain those members. You know, I like to grow jalapenos. You know why? Because I like to eat jalapenos. And, and when I grow them, I don't just let them sit there. Well, that's not true. I had so many jalapenos this year. I were coming out my ears, proverbially. And... Um, I did let them hang on the, on the plant. They're kind of pretty in a way, you know, red and green. But uh, what do I do? I brought them in, and I, for the first time this year, I, did, I canned jalapenos. And I've got them all stacked up, there, and I did put different kinds of peppers in with it and garlic. I preserved them. That, my dear friends, is responsible gardening. We need to be responsible laborers who focus also on retaining. And like I said earlier, the best way to retain the harvest, and you need to focus on this as an outreach team, is to put them back at work into the harvest. And what is the best way of doing that? When you have a new member or even an interest, invite them to be a part of what? Your outreach team. You see, church growth research has shown that members who do not develop at least six or seven friendships in the church will soon drift out of the church. What better way to connect them with other on-fire Christians than to bring them into your outreach team? Amen? So you have a new member that comes through through one of your reaping events, invite them to be a part of your outreach team. What it does is they have a whole other group of friends that don't know about the good news of Jesus Christ that they will be anxious to connect with and pray for and work with you as a team to, to reach. Amen? Think of the, of the demoniac, <clears throat> the example of the demoniac that was healed. Jesus, I mean, the demoniac pleaded, or I should say the ex-demoniac pleaded, to be with Jesus, to follow Jesus, to learn from him. And Jesus did what? Sent him back home to evangelize his, like the Greek word is his oikos, his family system, his family and his friends. He sent him back. Mark 5.19 talks about that. And, and what we're saying is you have a new member sometimes we isolate them. We say, well they can't do anything in the church until they are mature. 
I'll never forget, I was in China, uh, served over there for nine years as a missionary, and we had a church that we were visiting where there was some, a little bit of friction between the older people and the younger people, and there was a youth leader, we were told, who was doing radical things, terrible things. He was taking his youth group out to the lake on Sabbath to, to have worship by the lake. No, no water skiing. I mean, come on, there's nothing there in China. They were just going to have an outdoor worship. And that was radical. And again, and we were visiting with the elders of the church. And they said, well, you know, the head of the, of the youth group is an elder. And I said, well, that's good. I said, that's good. And they said, yeah, he's a young man and he's not listening to us elderly elders. And I said, well, how old is this elder that is the head of the youth group? 55. He was 55 years old. But they wouldn't, in, in that context, if you've ever been to China, in that context, you have to be a member like in regular and good and standing for like 50 years before you can have any, any say. What, we want to turn that around and say, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have joined yourself with this remnant church of Bible prophecy who are preparing to meet the Lord. Get into the harvest. Get going. Work with us. And guess what? When they come in, they already know all these other people that you never heard of that they want to reach with this gospel of, of Jesus Christ. So what is the purpose of the outreach leadership team? It is to help us focus on a lifestyle of evangelism. In other words, live evangel living. In other words, experience evangel living. And this is characterized by a cycle of evangelism, which is sowing Reaping and retaining. You know, we live in a very busy world. We have lots and lots of distractions. And a community of believers committed to the single and important goal of reaching the lost, I believe, is key to maintaining this focus on a lifestyle of evangelism. In fact, I'm telling you right now, folks, if you leave this place committed to do evangelism, to, to live out a lifestyle of evangelism, and if you do not connect yourself with other like-minded Christians and form this kind of group, more likely than not, that passion will slowly dwindle. So I just want to give you the challenge. Make a decision today to form, go back and be the catalyst, the, the agent that will form an outreach team and will then become actively involved in this lifestyle of evangelism. This lifestyle of evangelism. I just, I just challenge you to do that. Now at the next seminar, we're going to spend the whole seminar talking in depth about how do I build relationships with other people? How do I develop them to a point where we might have Bible studies? How do I give my personal testimony? How do I listen to God's leading so that I can live daily this kind of lifestyle of evangelism? We're going to talk about the sowing in depth. And then this afternoon, the second one, we're going to talk about how do I, how can I get involved in the reaping? How do I preach? How do I prepare a sermon? How do I make an appeal? We're going to talk about that. So we're going to get more in depth. This seminar was just to give you the overview and to underline with yellow underline and then orange underline and then a bright green circle the whole thing to say that evangelism takes place best when you do it in community as an outreach team. Let's stand together for prayer. Lord in heaven, we thank you so much that you have called us to be your ambassadors, to be your representatives here on this earth. We know the time is slowly uh, ticking by and we are rapidly coming to the end of it. And I just pray that you will give us a renewed vision for what you have called us to do. Please forgive us when we have been so satisfied with the status quo, when we have been satisfied to just be onlookers rather than active agents of change and of the gospel in this world. I pray that you'll help every member here that is listening to go back and to organize outreach teams that will keep themselves focused on this all-important Great Commission to live out a lifestyle of evangelism. Bless them, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC. 
generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.